Today we're wrapping up our series, Change Your World. And my hope and my prayer is that we would be a church full of people that see ourselves not as seated, but as sent into our community and to our neighbors to share the hope of the gospel. You know, week one we spoke about how all people are made in the image and likeness of God. Therefore, they are full of value and worth. So we seek ways to add value, right? We look for ways to add value to people so that we can grow and influence. And it's from a place of influence that we can tell people about Jesus. Remember, people won't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Uh, and we too, we spoke about the sovereignty of God and how He has placed you where you are, when you are, for a reason and for a purpose. You're not here by mistake. And God has placed you within your circle of friends, within your family, and within your community so that you can be light, so that you can be sought. And everyone has a sphere of influence and God calls you to operate within that sphere of influence to bring a slice of the kingdom of heaven here to earth. Last week we spoke about opening our eyes to see all of the opportunities that we have all around us to show and to share the love of Jesus. Sometimes we simply walk around with our, our spiritual eyes shut and we are unable to see the opportunities God has laid right before us. We miss out on those God-given opportunities, those divine opportunities to serve someone and to share with someone the love of Jesus. But today, we're going to be talking about how we can have a come and see confidence. But first, what's your perception of people that are far from God? What do you think about it? You know, I don't know about you, but being from the Northeast and being from New York City especially, it's easy to fall into the mindset that no one wants to know about Jesus, that no one wants to know about Him, that everyone's a heathen, right? Like every, everyone is far from God. Everyone is impossible. Everyone is too secular in their thinking. Their hearts are simply too hard. It's so easy to fall into that line of thinking. Sometimes we can fall into this rut of thinking, man, it's just too difficult to change our world. It's just too hard. And maybe you've thought this too. You know, Danny, I've tried sharing my faith. I've tried having spiritual conversations. I'm tired of being ridiculed and mocked and laughed at or ignored. Today, I want to try to change your perspective. And I want to build your confidence. Because you see, I believe that we have a great resource that God has given us. And He's not, only, he's not the only tool in our tool belt, but it is a tool in our tool belt. And that's the local church. If I were to ask you, how did you come to faith? You might say, I had a close friend share the gospel with me. Or maybe you had a spiritual awakening when you were by yourself in your room and you were reading through the Bible. You were upset and confused about life and the words jumped off the page and you and a light bulb went off in your head. And that was the moment that God saved you. But I think for, for many of us, the moment that we made the decision to put our faith in Jesus the, the moment that we realized that we were dead in our trespasses and sin, but that Jesus died and rose from the grave so that we can experience forgiveness of sin and new life, that moment perhaps came within the confines and in the context of the local church. Is that your story? I know it was mine. Maybe somebody invited you to church and at first you were reluctant to go. Maybe you dragged your feet. Maybe you went kicking and screaming. But one day, the Holy Spirit got a hold of your heart and your life was forever changed. Maybe it was through a song that you heard at church. Maybe it was through the Bible teaching that happened. Or just maybe it was the kindness of a stranger that introduced themselves to you that day during the service. So today I want to build within us a come and see confidence. 
And to do this, we're going to be looking at a passage from the Gospel of John. So here's my goal for all of us today. I want to encourage us towards building this confidence. We can have a come and see confidence. So where do we begin? Here's number one. By the way, you can follow along. All of today's verses and points are on the Bible app. You can check it out there. Here's number one. We are pointers. We're just pointers. Sometimes all we can do and need to do is point people to Jesus. You know, maybe you don't know much about the Bible. Maybe you don't have, you know, the answers to the deepest and most difficult of theological questions. And that's okay. It's okay. You, you don't need to know everything in order to point people to Jesus. You know, in today's passage, John the Baptizer, the cousin of Jesus, had, had a, grown a good following. He had a lot of people that were following him. His ministry was booming. He was baptizing people left and right. But he knew it wasn't about him. He knew it wasn't about John the Baptizer's ministry. He knew that it was all about Jesus. He knew that he had to point everyone to him. He knew that it was about Jesus, the one who would atone for the sins of the world. So let's look it up in today's passage. This is John chapter 1, verses 35 through 39. I'm going to read it along. I invite you guys to follow. The next day, John, this is John the baptizer, was standing with two of his disciples. Like I said, John had developed the following. He had people that were following him, his students. And when he saw Jesus passing by, look at what he said. He said, look, the Lamb of God. All John did was point at Jesus. He pointed Jesus out to his two disciples. Verse 37, the two disciples heard him say this, and what did they do? They followed Jesus. And when Jesus turned and noticed them following him, he asked them, what are you looking for? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And look at what Jesus says. He says, come and you'll see, he replied. And so they went and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. All John the baptizer did was point these guys to Jesus. Look, the Lamb of God the one that takes away the sins of the world, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. All he did was point Jesus out. How can we point people to Jesus? We can point people to Jesus with our works and with our words. Have you ever met someone, you know, maybe they were a stranger, but your interactions with them, the way, they, the, the way you interacted, the way they treated you, the way they spoke, the conversation that you had, you thought to yourself, Man, I bet you this person is a Christian. I bet you this person's a follower of Jesus. You ever had that happen to you? What, what were you saying when you said that? Well, what you were saying is that this person is living in such a way and talking in such a way that, that his or her beliefs align with their actions, right? They don't, they don't live or talk or walk like the rest of this world. They're way different. They're, there's got to be something different about them. And it's the same thing that can be said and says or happened to you. You know, when we talk and walk, what we say, we believe, it is eye-opening to a lost world. And when someone identifies that in you, you can simply point people to Jesus. Why do you do that? Why are you that way? Why do you respond that way? It's not because of me. It's because of Jesus. You know, whenever we're giving stuff away or whenever we're serving our neighbors, you know what I get asked all the time? Why are you doing this? Why are you giving out these coats? Why are you giving out free coffee? Why are you, you know, serving food at the park? Why are you playing games? Why are you doing VBSs or summer camps? Why are you doing all this? It's because we love Jesus and it's because we love you. 
What a simple way to be able to tell somebody about Jesus. It is through our acts. It is through our words. And through that simple gesture, we just get to point people to Jesus. Here's number two. How do we build a come and see confidence? Number two is this. We're bringers. We're just bringers. The next thing we can do is be bringers because so many of us have come to faith in the confines and in the context of the local church. Man, we ought to be all about inviting and bringing people to come and experience this life-giving message of Jesus, to experience what we have as well. You know, maybe it's tedious, maybe it's time-consuming, maybe it'll cause you to get out of your way, but is it worth it to bring someone with you? Is it worth the eternity of that friend, the eternity of your family member, the eternity of your neighbor? I think it is. And so we see this happen in today's passage, once again, John chapter 1. Let's look at John chapter 1, verses 40 to 42. It says this, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard John and followed him. All right, so we have one of the disciples of John who had heard this message. John pointed him to Jesus, and now look at what happens with this guy. He first found his brother, his own brother Simon, and he told them, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. Now check this out, verse 42, what did he do? And he brought Simon to Jesus. So we see, we see John the baptizer points Andrew to Jesus. Andrew goes back to his brother Simon and he brings him to Jesus. And when he saw him, he said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. And what we see in this verse is that Peter, or Simon, he sees and receives this transformative experience as he encounters Jesus. Andrew spends time with Jesus and he says, man, I got to tell my brother about this guy. But he simply can't tell him about Jesus. Nope, he needs to bring him with him to check him out. And I can just imagine Andrew telling Simon, telling his brother, dude, you got to hear this guy out. And maybe Simon is like, bro, you're crazy. Leave me alone. I got fish to catch. I got stuff to do. You know, there you go. You know, being lazy, avoiding work again. But Andrew continues and insists and brings Peter to Jesus. And once he does, Peter has this transformative experience with Jesus. And his life is forever change and he would eventually be one of the early church leaders and ultimately die for his faith in Jesus. What if we had that kind of excitement about inviting others and bringing others to encounter Jesus? What if we got as excited about inviting others to church to encounter Jesus as we do about a new coffee shop or our favorite uh, recording artist? Uh, you know, they opened up a brand new esports venue here in Bushwick, and I'm telling everyone about it. Like, everyone who's a nerd of, on video games like me, I'm like, dude, you got to check this spot out. It's called Brookland, and it, it just opened up. It's on Trauma, and it's in the neighborhood. We, we took Junior there for his birthday, and we had our own room. We had a lot of fun, and I'm, I'm Instagramming this. I'm putting this on my stories. I'm telling Ari about it. We're surrounded by all these expensive gaming PCs. The kids are having fun, and, uh, and Melissa even grabbed this picture of me. As you can see, I was like a kid at a candy store, right? You know what? What if we all had that type of excitement about church and about bringing people and inviting people to church? What if we all equally shared the responsibility of cultivating a culture of excitement worth bringing people into? What if we didn't just see that as pastor's job? 
What if we didn't just see that as the job of a select few? But what if we saw it all as our job to cultivate that culture of excitement, to bring people in, to draw people in? What if we were bringers? Here's number three. Here's the last thing uh, for today. Number three is this. We are witnesses. We are witnesses. Sometimes we get caught up in the fact that perhaps, you know, we're not the most well-versed when it comes to understanding the most profound and deep intricacies of Bible or theology. Maybe you think to yourself, you know, what if I get, an, what if I get asked a question that I don't know the answer to? What if they stop me? You know, when you're trying to invite somebody to church to tell them about Jesus. But you don't have to have all the answers. You just need to be a witness. You know, in court, when you're called to be a witness, it means that you simply state the truth to what you saw and what you experienced. And when it comes to telling other people about Jesus, you just need to state the truth about what you saw and what you've experienced. Let's pick it up in today's passage, John chapter 1, verses 43 and on. Let's continue reading and see what happens. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. He found Philip and told him, follow me. So Jesus has this interaction, tells Philip to follow him, and he does. Verse 44, now Philip was from Bethsaida, the hometown of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and so did the prophets, Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. So here's what's happening. All right, and uh, Philip is a witness of Jesus. He has seen Jesus, the Messiah, and now he goes and he tells Nathanael all about him. He's a witness of what Jesus has said and done. And Nathanael says in verse 46, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Look at Philip's answers. Come and see. Then Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said about him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no self-deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Before Philip called you, you were under the fig tree. I saw you, Jesus answered. And now look at Nathanael's response and look at the transformative experience. Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. In this narrative, we see Philip. We see Philip who sees and experiences Jesus. And he goes and he finds Nathanael so that he could be a witness of what he saw and what he experienced. Nathaniel had questions, he had doubts, but Philip, as a good witness of Jesus, points Nathaniel to Jesus, who then forever has his life changed by Jesus. Another time we see this in the scriptures is in the story of a, of a blind man, who the scriptures say he says he was blind from when he was birthed. And you guys remember this story when Jesus encounters this blind man, Jesus spits on the ground and he makes mud. And he picks up the mud and he puts it into the man's eyes. And then he tells him to go wash it off. And then when the man does, he can all of a sudden miraculously see. Now this miracle infuriates the religious people. Uh, and and uh, essentially they bring the once blind man and put him on the witness stand. They're yelling and they're pointing fingers. And they're attempting to discredit Jesus. And to get the man to deny that Jesus had done this miracle. And after all the bickering and all the arguing, the man who was once blind, he couldn't do or say much to convince the Pharisees. And so all he says is this. Check it out. John chapter 9, verse 25. Here's what the blind man answered. The once blind man, 
Whether or not he's a sinner, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind and now I can see. You see, the, Pharisee could not, the Pharisees could not fight the fact that this man had been blind from his whole life and everybody knew this guy, but in one instant, one encounter with Jesus forever changed his life. How can you refute that? How can you argue against a personal narrative? Likewise, for you and for me, we don't have to be the most educated or the most well-versed. You don't have to speak and understand all the Greek and, and understand all the theological terms, but you do have a story. God has done something in your life that has forever changed and transformed you. Because you see, we're all spiritually blind. We all experience the same hopelessness and desperation that that man did. However, our sickness was not physical. It was a spiritual indebtedness that we owed because of our sin. But the same way Jesus stooped down to make mud and rub it into the eyes of the blind man, He stoops down into our reality, into earth. And He comes in the form of a man and all, He would ultimately live a sinless and perfect life and die in our place for the forgiveness of our sin. And on the third day, He would rise from the grave, conquering Satan, sin, and death. And now for all who put their faith in Him, we have the promise of forgiveness of sin and of a new life. And that's the story that we have to share. That's the story that you have to share. You are a witness to that miracle. And if you are here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're watching the stream and you haven't followed Jesus, then this is the narrative that I want for you to have. And this is the miracle I wish for you to experience. And you can by simply putting your faith in Jesus. Do you believe that God can make a difference? Do you believe that God wants to use you to change your world? If Jesus lived, died, and rose again, then you have no need to worry. If Jesus saved a wretch like you and me, then He can do it to those that are around you. Do you believe that? Then I want to encourage you guys to go out and change your world. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would help us to point people to Jesus. Give us the courage God, to bring people to Jesus, to invite them to church, friends, family, co-workers. Give us that courage, God, to be able to do that. And I pray, Lord, that we would be a faithful witness to Jesus. Thank you for the narrative that you're writing upon the hearts and lives of your people. May we be bold witnesses and share that story with others. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.